1: And when Isaac needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns. What were the two concerns? Remember the two concerns that Abraham had for his son Isaac? When he needed a wife, Abraham had two concerns for his son Isaac. What was the first one? That day she should not marry a Canaanite. Right. And the second one? He should not what? He should not go back to Haran. He should not. He said in Genesis 24, 6, Abraham said unto him, to his servant Eliezer, beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And in verse eight, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. Why? Abraham knew the dangers of getting affection set on Haran, and so Abraham commissioned Eliezer, don't bring him to Haran. Well, if Abraham could not guard his grandson, Jacob from going back to Haran. So God said, okay, I'll take over. <laughs> and I'll make sure that Jacob doesn't get his affections fixed on things of Haran. And so it was painful. This whole history is painful for Jacob to have his affections change and become unset on things of Haran. But God had that wonderful uncle Laban turn out to be a terrible cheat. Yeah. And had that wonderful income and wealth from Laban turn out to be slavery. And, and had that wonderful girl, Rachel, turn out to be terrible. You know? <laughs> so the end result is verse 25, is where Jacob says, I've changed my affections. I want to leave Haran. I want to return home. He has reset his affections on things on Canaan and not on things on Haran. And he had his affections set on Haran But now as a result of great disappointments and discouragements, his affections have been reset on things of Canaan. See, that's a picture. And that's a picture that can very easily happen to us because we're saved and we have our Bethel experience like Jacob did and our affections are set on things above. But then the world's good to us and everything goes our way in the early days of Heron, and our affections get set on the things of the world. And the world turns out to be a great disappointment, great discouragement. We reset our affections on things above. So we see that Jacob calls Canaan, send me away. Am I going to my own place, my country? He calls Canaan my own place, my country, and that said it all. Because what he was saying there, says, you know, I used to call Haran my own place and my new country, but with all the idolatry, the deception, the bondage, the bitterness, and the fighting that I've had here, I've come to see that Haran is not my place. It's not my country. And Haran has just made me want to go to my place and my country. I'm not of Haran. I'm of Canaan. That's what he's saying there in verse 25. That's what happens to us. When we hear in the society how freely on television, friends, whatever, people take the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in vain, when we see the broad acceptance of homosexuality as an acceptable way of life, when we see the broad acceptance of lightly killing the unborn, when we see the direct attacks on the Bible through the preaching of evolution, when we see the increase in the violence and the bombings, when we see the deterioration in our own bodies, when the world and its promises of a great future turn sour on us, when the world becomes a detestable place for us, all of this makes us say the words of verse 27, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. And when Haran became a detestable place for Jacob, he changed his view of how he saw himself in Haran. In the early days, he saw himself as coming to Haran as his new home. But now, he uses one word to describe himself in Haran. It's a word that he actually sent as a message to Esau in a couple chapters later, in Genesis 32, verse 4, where he tells the messengers, he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. That's the word. He sees himself now as having sojourned. The Hebrew word for sojourn is gur, And it has the meaning of turning aside. You're going off this direction. I'm walking down here like that. Gur. I turn over in the pew here. Talk to Sam. <laughs> that's gur. See, that's what it means. It's a turning aside. Maybe I'm going down here and I'm turning aside. I'm going to take a rest. I'm going to take a, have something to eat, but I have intention to get back on the road again. That's Ger. That's a picture for us, just like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. He's saved. What does he do? He starts off the celestial city, starts on the road to heaven, and the world, you know, going along there, He turns aside, and the dictionary defines sojourn as a place where a person lives temporarily or as on a visit, to sojourn is to stay for a while on a temporary basis. That's how the life of Abraham was. It says in Hebrews 11, 9 through 10, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them. How can you embrace something afar off? You can. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say th- such things declare plainly they seek country. For truly, if they have been mindful, of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. See? So these verses from Hebrews 11 here, they teach us about how we should live our lives on earth. The first way we should live our life on earth is that Abraham, by faith he sojourned. What does that mean, by faith he sojourned? best way to see that is to sojourned as not settling down. And to see faith as belief. So then you restate it. You say, by belief, he did not settle down on earth. The opposite would be, by unbelief, he settled down on earth. See, we're to live our lives is not settling down on earth. Not to settle down on earth requires that belief that heaven is our home and this world is bound for destruction. And if we order our lives in a way where we settle down on earth, as if this is going to be our home forever, we fall into the by unbelief we settle down on earth. So the first way we should live our lives is by faith we sojourn. Second, it says that Abraham lived as in a strange country. He saw the country he lived in as strange. When Abraham saw the reckless immorality, the sexual perversion in places like Sodom, Abraham looked at it and said, Strange. When we read that Abraham was dwelling in tabernacles, he was living in tents. Just imagine if son of Abraham's relatives from Haran said, oh, let's go make a road trip. We'll go visit Abraham. And so they start off and, and they go visit Abraham in Canaan. And they arrive and they look around and they're in shock. And they said, Abraham, I'm surprised at you. This place is a dump. You know? <laughs> With all your wealth. Why are you living in these tents? Build yourself a nice house. You can afford it. Why are you living like this? You know what Abraham would say? Abraham turned around and say, I don't feel badly because I haven't built myself a nice house. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on life. Abraham would say, I'm living like this in these temporary tents because I'm looking for God's city. I'm looking for God's country. I won't settle down till I reach that city and that country. That's why it describes all those who died in faith in Hebrews 13 as not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Where do we see the promises afar off? In the Bible. In the Bible. The more we read the Bible, the more we live in the Bible, the more we see the promises afar off. But even though the promises were seen and they were afar off, their minds were so full of those promises that it says that they were persuaded by them. They embrace them, confess they were strangers and uh, pilgrims on the earth. See, four events are described. First, the event of seeing them, which we do see when we read and live in the Bible. Second, the events of being persuaded by them, which happens to us when we base our decisions that we make in life on the promises of God. Third, the event of embracing the promises of God. The word embrace is very graphic. It's a picture of of us wrapping our arms around the promises of God. You know, sometimes you meet someone and they go, oh, how are you? And you want to go, I'm getting out of here, you know. (laughs) But the Bible says, when the Bible promises comes, the Bible promises come to us, oh, and then we go, oh, and we have a good hug. And that picture of wrapping arms around the promises of God and squeezing them so tight, they become part of us. And the fourth event is confessing, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, which we do when we not only tell others that we're bound for heaven, but we invite them to join us, to join us on our pilgrimage to heaven by them making the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. And when those things are true of us, living in the Bible's promises of God, making decisions in life that are based on the promises of God and embracing the promises of God, boldly telling others we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting them to join then we'll be insulated from the danger of Hebrews eleven fifteen, which is to be mindful of that country from whence they came out, whence we came out, so we don't have an opportunity to have returned. See, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 is like an email. When it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. The address of the email is, those who are risen with Christ. The subject is things above versus things on the earth. And the text is set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. That's God's email to us. The fantastic job, the steady income, the interesting work, the fulfilling projects, the fun sports and the fun recreations, the circle of friends, the great house, the wonderful family, the perfect marriage, Those are all things of the earth. There's nothing wrong with the things of the earth. Nothing wrong with them. There's nothing evil with those things on the earth. It's just don't set your affections on them. You know, don't look forward to those things. The pro- look forward to these things the promises of God, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redemption through the blood of the Lord Jesus, the washing from sins by the blood of the Lord Jesus, the beauty and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the friendship with the Lord Jesus, the promise to be with him forever. forever. Those are things above. Set your affection on things above. Look forward to those things. It's not the thing, not that the things of earth are bad. It's not that the things down here are bad. It's just that the things above are better. See, the things above are better. The things of earth have the danger to pull us away from the things above. There's, you know, there's one thing that Cheryl could make that was just exceptional. I mean, I can taste it now, see it. It's just. She could make, like nobody's business, chocolate eclairs with Boston cream filling. Oh, she was good at that. (laughs) You can give me a chocolate eclair today. I won't touch it. I won't eat it. Her eclairs were so spectacular that I won't eat a chocolate eclair today because of the memory of her, her eclairs. They were just extraordinary. It took her two days to make them, and she would prepare the most delicious Buttery dough. The color was wonderful. It was white, but it had this kind of yellow with the butter in it. And bake it so perfectly, it would form these like layers, like clouds on top of each other. You see, you, you wonder if it's going to float off the pan. It was so good. And then she would make the chocolate, and it was just the perfect blend of whole milk, none of this low fat, milk. whole milk and chocolate. And she would make the Boston cream, and it was just so wonderful. And then she would, she had, and she would inject it in, into the eclairs so that the filling just oozed out the sides. And you never had a chocolate eclair like hers. I mean, I'm sure that the memory today was better than the actual eclair itself. <laughs> but they were wonderful. It was the perfect dessert. And I remember one time when we lived in Lakeside, and she took these two days to make these perfect chocolate eclairs. And then she, and she put them on a silver platter and put it in the refrigerator. And we all looked forward to, during the day there to the dinner at night when she'd make them. And she wanted to make the perfect meal. So that day, she made a wonderful stringy pot roast. You know, where all the fat of the pot, she would pick out the roast with all the fat. All the fat would come out. And the surface, and she would wait till the surface of the pot roast was just perfectly browned. And then she would add the carrots and the potatoes and the onions and the turnips and the celery. And she cooked them at just the perfect time so that that roast flavored fat infiltrated all those vegetables. And you said to yourself, that's how vegetables should taste. <laughs> and, but it still left the vegetables crunchy. It was a wonderful roast, and the smell just of that roast just filled the house. And the boys and I, we had been working all day long together outside with our 300 goats that surrounded our house, and we came into the house, and the smell of that roast was wonderful. The boys and I, we all knew about those chocolatey eclairs in the refrigerator, see? So you know what we did? We ate that roast like it was a marathon. <laughs> I'm not really sure we even tasted the roast <laughs> it was in front of us. It was wonderful, but, but because we had one thing in our mind, and it was, it was those unseen chocolate eclairs in the refrigerator. We knew they were in the refrigerator. So the roast in front of us, it was good, but the boys and I were looking forward to something better. And those unseen chocolate eclairs in the refrigerator, they were better. And we knew there was only one thing standing between us and those chocolate eclairs, and it was that roast. So we powered our way through that like a marathon, you know, because we're looking forward to the chocolate eclairs. And she brought them out, you know, all arranged on a silver platter, and, and, you know, she got up from the table well. <laughs> our eyes followed her. She got the refrigerator, focused. She comes back, part of the table, and we, and we were smiling ear to ear. Look at those chocolate eclairs. And we ate them, we'd close our eyes, you know, and you enjoy the taste of the dough and the, the, the chocolate and the Boston cream filling. The roast was good. It was good. But our real interest, where we had set our affection, was on the unseen chocolate eclairs in the refrigerator. The roast is like things on the earth <laughs> the chocolate eclairs are like things above you know the roast was good we never would call the roast bad things of the earth are good we would never call the things on the earth bad but the eclairs were just better and because we knew the unseen eclairs that were in the refrigerator that they were better we set our affection on them and we know from the bible that the unseen things above are better then the things of the earth, we set our affection on them. They have set our affection on things above. Set is an active word. It's not opposed to a, pass, it's not a passive word. It does not mean let your affections just drift to things above because that's not the way it works. We, set, we have to set our affection on things above. Like the guy wires of an antenna, they hold the antenna up. When we see the guy wires and an antenna, you know, we drive out from Budajira. Uh, we drive up from Addis Ababa in Ethiopia down to Budajira, And we passed by the largest Christian radio station that was was built with these huge antennas. They don't use them anymore. These huge antennas, which when the communists took over Ethiopia, they kindly confiscated. But anyway, and when we drive out there and you see these guy wires and you think to yourself, you know, there's big winds that come across this rift valley. There's huge winds that rise up from the desert in here. And those guy wires hold those antennas in place. And it, when we read the word "set" in Colossians 3:1, we think of the pull and the tension that there's going to be on our lives, where there's a pull and a tension for us to enter into a total love affair with the things of the earth. And we have to always keep reminding ourselves of the things above and not forget them. Always reading the Bible that are telling us about things above, as good as the roast is in front of us. There's better chocolate eclairs in the refrigerator. They'll come out later. And set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. The key is better than. That's the key. Things that are higher. Things that are nobler. These have allured my sight. I will hasten to thee. Hasten, so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. So what we see in verse 25, when Jacob said, send me away there, I may go to my own place in my own country is that Jacob had set his affection on things of Haran. And that all happened because in God's great mercy, he allowed Jacob to become very disappointed with Haran. And that's what God in his great mercy will do for us to allow us to become very disappointed with our lot on earth. So we don't set our affections here, but set our affections above. So verse 25 represents for Jacob, this great change where Jacob switches his affections from Haran to Canaan. That's the beginning. This is the beginning of Jacob's return to the God of Bethel. And so when we look at verse 25, it's such an encouragement for us because it shows us that when we're wrong in our focus, we don't have to stay that way. If Jacob changed in in, in verse 25, we can change. And what happened to Jacob as a result of God changing his affection is in the last verse in this chapter, verse 43, the man increased greatly, exceedingly, had much cattle, maid servants, men servants, and camels and asses. This does not happen all the time, but it did in the case of Jacob. When Jacob changed his affections from Heron to Canaan, material blessings flowed to him. I remember how this played out in my life in the 1980s when I was working with the Chicago Red Cross to get all their human blood plasma. We were trying to make a deal. Because I needed it to make human serum for my customers. And I remember how the order started to come in for the human serum. And I needed a human plasma, and I didn't have any human plasma. And one week before those orders came in, the Red Cross had promised to sell me all their plasma for $40 a liter. And so, sealing that deal with the Chicago Red Cross was paramount. I needed that human plasma, it had occupied all my vision. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd think about how I need to seal the deal with the Chicago Red Cross, and I'd quickly rush through my devotions and quickly get to the end with a hasty, in Jesus' name, amen, pick up the phone, talk to the Chicago Red Cross. And I remember how just when I needed that plasma the most, they flat out rejected me, and they said so much as, don't call us anymore. It was very discouraging. So I said, well, what's the problem? I know, I have to, first of all, honor God. So I decided to honor God before anything else I started to do that. And while working with another Red Cross, I, at that time, I found out about so-called outdated platelets and how the blood banks were collecting these platelets for transfusion. People are low on platelets. But they outdated after three days from collection, so they just couldn't, you know, use them all. So every month, the blood banks had about 100 to 200 platelet packs that outdated, and they were throwing them away and paying to throw them away because they were biohazardous waste. But I learned that they put 50 milliliters of plasma in those platelet packs to keep them alive, the platelets. So that means that 20 platelet packs, you know, 20 times 50 is 1,000. 20, 20 platelet packs was one liter of plasma. So I called them up and I said, I'll give you 25 cents for each one. And then you don't have to pay for hazardous waste. And they thought, that's great. And after a while, I ended up buying half a million platelet packs per year. 500,000 platelet packs per year. That gave me 25,000 liters of plasma per year for a cost of $125,000. Where the normal price is $40 a liter. So those 25,000 liters would have cost a million dollars. So I was saving $875,000 per year with my secret source of plasma. And then I found somebody who would buy the platelets. <laughs> it was <seemed> even better. <laughs> so now it was free. <laughs> and sales increased by 35%. Why? All because I set my affections that year above and not on things of the earth. And God said, okay, now I can trust you. And now I can trust you with material things because I know that you're not gonna change your affections. So I trust Jacob now he wants to go back. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Uh, being involved with Jacob and loving him and staying with him and working with him and, and not getting disgusted and walking away, but to make things happen to he get straightened out. And that gives us great encouragement this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and half point large font and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible Scripture References section, Bible Reference Help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org.